News Power Hour. Welcome to the Biz News Power Hour, where we give you the rational perspective on business news that matters. Well, we've got the Biz News Power Hour coming to you on a Friday. What's it? On a Friday, we call it something festive or happy Friday. Festive Friday, Carrie Adams. Uh, you know the drill, Alec. We know the drill. And we have got our colleague, Jared Neves, in the FMR studio in Cape Town. Jared, good to see you. Yes, likewise. Uh, lots uh, coming up from you a little later in the program. Today we're talking cars again. You got another Toyota Starlet or something? No, like, this time we're speaking about the Ford EcoSports Ambiente. Ah, that was one that I was actually considering before buying my, of course, you know, the the Peugeot <laughs> that came out on top. But certainly the Ford EcoSport was a option that we looked at. Tonight, Carrie has got a most extraordinary guest. Nothing to do with booze, eh? Cheers for once, Alec, and looking forward to that. I mean, my octopus teacher, South African production, and to win an Oscar, uh, an Oscar um, incredible. After a BAFTA as well. It's, um, it's the colorist who actually went to the same school that Diddy went to. Uh, so Diddy's going to be pretty happy about that. Is it called AFTA, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, his name is Carl Strubel, so he'll be with us a little later. We're also going to be talking to Corky Coyman in just a moment about a breaking story, uh, which hasn't hit Sens or any of the other news services yet, but quite a big deal, Justin. So interesting, Alec, and uh, who else than the best banking analyst out there um, to break it down for us? That's the sale by Remgro of 40 million shares in First Rand, at 51 rand a share. They held on to these shares when there was an unbundling of first rand a year ago. It'd be interesting to find out why they've sold now. We'll also see where all the action's been going on the markets, uh, and that's with retail investors. We like to talk to uh, Easy Equities about this. Carly Barnes will be joining us on that. And then great news in Joburg, and hopefully it's going to spread to the rest of the country. They're starting to fix the potholes, not just... Uh, potholes, but it's uh, Discovery Insure and Dial Direct have got together with the city of Joburg, so it's all legal. Uh, I think 10 years ago they tried to do it, and then the, the city of Joburg stopped them from doing it because it was putting municipal workers out of jobs or something like that. But anyway, we'll be finding out uh, from Anton Ossip about this new initiative because living in Johannesburg, potholes are a serious issue, and anyone in the in this area, we'll, we'll know that. You guys, uh, Jared, in Cape Town, you don't know what potholes are. I mean, we've got, we've got one or two here and there, but ew, <laughs> last time I was in Johannesburg, you're constantly dodging. It's scary stuff. But uh, now yeah. all they have to do is put it onto the R103 in KZN, and then the whole story will be sorted out. But so lots coming up tonight. Uh, we do take things a lot easier on a Friday. Uh, so as you can hear from the program, it's rather festive, and uh, that is, that's matched by uh, the guests that we have. But there's still news, and we still have Jackie Cameron, our editor-at-large, who goes out there and puts together our flash briefing. Let's hear from her what was in the news today. A fresh scandal has erupted over corruption involving South Africa's energy supply. 
A company called DNG has alleged in court papers that it lost a bid after failing to respond to overtures by a businessman who claimed to have close ties to Energy Minister Gwedi Mantashi and other government officials. DNG says some of eight bid winners, especially Turkey's car power ship, which operates mobile, vessel-based power plants, were granted unlawful exemptions from the tender requirements. Bloomberg says the lawsuit could hamper attempts to bring new generation capacity online and could exacerbate the country's electricity crisis. Meanwhile, South African state utility ESCOM will start a fresh round of wage negotiations with trade unions next week. It has warned that any disputes could impact its ability to supply electricity. The last round of negotiations in 2018 led to power outages after workers reacted angrily to ESCOM's initial refusal to hike wages. The company later offered above inflation increases and a three-year agreement was signed. ESCOM has not disclosed its position ahead of the talks. The National Union of Mine Workers and the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa are demanding salary increases of 15% in the 2021-22 financial year. The Solidarity Union is seeking a 9.5% annual increase. Inflation is currently around 3%. But unions argue that ESCOM's woes are chiefly linked to corruption and mismanagement over many years, and they argue that workers should not lose out as a result. Impala Platinum said on Friday that third-quarter group output at managed operations rose by 4%, with higher volumes reported at Impala Rustenburg, Impala Canada and Marula. High prices for metals extracted by implats, such as platinum, palladium and rhodium, have thrown the mining company a lifeline despite the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, says Reuters. The platinum miner says group production in the nine months to March the 31st rose by 11%, to about 17.5 million tonnes. There is a lot of greed in the cryptocurrency markets with many first-time investors who do not understand the technology behind it. This is according to Luna Africa's general manager, Marius Rates, who was speaking to the Business Power Hour about the recent Bitcoin price swings. Earlier this week, he said that people often forget that we've been in extreme greed territory for quite a long period now. Rates says that even with its drop to below 50,000 US dollars, Bitcoin is still up more than 70% for the year to date. China has ordered its tech giants, including Tencent, which underpins Nuspers, to unbundle financial services. Business premium partner The Wall Street Journal says that on Thursday, China's central bank and four other regulatory agencies told some of the country's biggest financial technology firms, including WeChat operator Tencent, ride-hailing company Didi Shuxing and e-commerce firm JD.com, that their apps should no longer provide financial services beyond payments. The Wall Street Journal quotes experts as saying that, whether for Ant or the other tech giants, the unbundling of the various financial services will almost certainly deal a blow to the company's future profitability and valuation. And that brings to a close your business flash briefing. I'm Jackie Cameron for Business. For more on those and the other big stories of the week, do go to biznewsradio.com. Justin, you'll notice that Jackie says those Chinese words very well. And the reason for that is she spent some years living in Beijing, uh, where her husband was a professor at a Chinese university. So Very interesting. I mean, I, you've hit the nail on the head there. Anything Chinese-related, Jackie's very articulate, and you've got to listen to her very carefully because she, you, you can tell that she's lived there a few years. Yeah, she's on it. But what was interesting, in the time that she lived there, she was not allowed to do any work for us. And the reason why was the Chinese government wouldn't give her a license as a journalist. So, yeah, we, we, we live in a world where we think what is normal is very abnormal in two-thirds of 
society. So anyway, that's our Jackie Cameron. Uh, and now the Bright Rock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movements in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. And we said yesterday there was an opportunity in Tongart, remember? Up and, strongly today. And a change in, uh, in, in somebody's life when they went and bought <laughs> Tongart at 7.55 yesterday or 8 Rand at the opening. Uh, how, how did they finish? I see uh, Adrian 90, so almost 12%, pretty good. But let's get to the rest of the market. Sorry, I'm throwing you off there, Justin. No, it's just Alec. The JSE All Share Index was weak at 67,000. In the currency markets, the Rand was weaker against all the major currencies to 14 Rand 45 against the dollar, 20 Rand 05 to the pound, and 17 Rand 45 to the, to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,771 an ounce. Brent crude is low at $67 a barrel, and the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 810k Bitcoin. The highlights of the day included Barlow World lost 6 Rand to 95.5 Rand a share. Financials took a beating with apps of the worst affected, losing 6 Rand 20 to 122.5 Rand a share. And Northern Platinum lost 14 Rand to a shade under 250 Rand a share as precious metals producers traded lower throughout. This market report was made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs matched in life insurance that changes as your life changes. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. We're having, we're having some fun and games with technology tonight, aren't we, Justin? The, uh, some of the machines that should be working aren't working, but I think we've got it all under control now. Here's Koki Koiman, uh, who is the, the country's premier banks analyst. And the story, Justin, just take us through what's going on there. I see First Rand's share price was down 4% today. Down 4% um, to the book ball price of 51 Rand a share. So Remgro are selling 40 million uh, shares of First Rand at 51 Rand. Proceeds should be around 2 billion. No sense announcement from either First Rand or Remgro, which is quite surprising. However, in terms of the regulatory requirements that aren't required to disclose as the transaction isn't significant enough, or at least I think so, Koki Koeman is with us. Is, is that the reality here, Koki? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually a fairly small transaction for Remgro and First Rand. Uh, First Rand at the last set of Remgro results, I think represented more or less 9% of earnings. And in terms of market cap on the sell price is roughly 4 or 5%. Um, and I think it's, it's part of what they started. Uh, many years ago and, and last year also with a further unbundling of, of, um, you know, RMBH and, and, uh, but, but I think what is more important here for investors is that this is, we see this as a global phenomenon, not only in South Africa, that the days of conglomerates are basically numbered and everywhere conglomerates are tending to trade at large discounts and, uh, yeah, so we see, you know, even pressure will remain on PSG, on SAPVEST, on, you know, uh, RMI, uh, where your discounts are between 30 to 40%, unless you've got something very special. And if all you're holding 
is a number of listed companies. Investors say, I can do that myself. And the main shareholders say, but, you know, this is a significant um, gap in wealth. So by unbundling the shares, I, I close the discount and unlock value. So as far as Remgro goes, I think what they've effectively been saying as well, they want to focus more on um, technology and food, uh, CIVA and, and uh, RCL. And so I think this money will go towards um, towards you know, capex on, on that side. It's such an interesting story, isn't it? Johan Rupert, the chairman of Remgro, started Rand Merchant Bank. Uh, he came back from the United States. He was uh, where he, he trained. Uh, I think it was with Lazard Freer. He then came back to South Africa, started a little company called Rand Merchant Bank. Uh, he then merged that company when he went to go and work for his uh, the family firm, if you like, uh, selling cigarettes in his Peter Stuyvesant car. Uh, the and he literally started that way. I mean, here was the uh, the son of the founder of of a massive company, who everybody in those days. I don't know if it's the same, but everybody in those days at, at Rembrandt used to get into their Peter Stuyvesant um, what are they uh, station wagons. So they could put lots of cigarettes in the back. And, and off they went to the Plutterland. And that's what Johan did for, I think, three months, Corky. And he, yeah. he then, he then uh, today, with a sale of First Rand, it's almost uh, the chairman of the company finally getting rid of all those decades of history. It's, it's quite momentous. It is. It is. In, in, in a way, you must compliment them for some very big moves. You remember, was it... Uh, 15 or more years ago when they switched from uh, resources into financials, saying that fun, yeah, if South Africa is going to grow, financial companies are going to be the space to be in. And, uh, you know, now effectively they say, well, you know, financials are unlikely to get re-rated or be the growth engine. Now it's technology and food. And uh, so I must say, uh, in that regard, it's quite visionary. But as you say, you know, they made their money on financials and, and backing uh, the first round team. I mean, I can still remember sitting at Old Mutual uh, when uh, Paul Harris and GT and, and, and the whole team came in and said they wanted to make a bid for Southern Life and First National Bank. <laughs> and that was like the minnow swallowing the whale and uh, coming to propose that. Uh, so, And they did that very well. And Johan Rupert obviously – did well out of that as well. Um, but I suppose you must accept, you know, they, they, they want to do two things. I think they want to close the discount and move more to technology and, 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 and food for the next 10, 15 years. And it is a long-term bet. Uh, you will also recall, Larry, that uh, – Larry, I'm thinking of Larry Dippin on Thank now. You. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Friday. Uh, you, also, you recall, Cookie, that for years – the sale of those resources shares looked like a big mistake by Remgro because the resources had a good run and first rand uh, not so good a run. So it, it looked yep. like a dumb decision. But, and it could actually work out that way now as well, that first rand could improve and only in time uh, the, the investments that are going to be made with that 2 billion rand uh, surpassing what the first rand uh, share price does. But it, that's what. That's why companies continue. Or companies like this are, or like Remgro, have been around for so many decades. Is that they take the big bets and they're happy to ride them through. Yep. So you're quite right on on both counts. I, th I think, firstly, 
that team have shown the ability to make long-term calls and, and react as well. And also in terms of, I think, first rand uh, and the banking sector should actually still re-rate over the next two or three years as or if we do indeed get uh, higher interest rates globally, you know, that is, that is like manna from heaven for, for the banking sector, higher interest rates. But, but if you take a 15, 20 year view, I think what he can do on food, which is becoming scarcer and scarcer and technology, he's saying 15 years later, I'll stand back and say, you know, it was a good, it was a good switch. Corky Koyman is the banking analyst at Denka, talking there about news that hasn't really hit the mainstream or even sends today, uh, the sale by Remgro of 40 million shares in first round. Very interesting. But I was, I was listening intently to what Corky said and the visionaries that, that, that have been at the Rembrandt's Rem, uh, Remgro group is very interesting. Firstly, the financials for the last 15 years and now they're thinking ahead technology, the food companies, um, and, and you see that in their portfolio of assets. I was actually going through the results um, when uh, when the interims came out a few weeks ago, and they hold a nice diverse bunch of assets. It's a nice play on, on any uptick in the South African economy. And, um, yeah, you've, you've got to give credit where credit is due, and, and the Remgo Group has created enormous value over the last 25 years as a listed entity. Jared Neves in sitting in Cape Town, and this is all interesting to you because you are a investor and a, a young investor coming into the uh, um, with various uh, opportunities. Are you using Easy Equities? I am, yes. Okay, well, we've got somebody who's been part of the Easy Equities story from the beginning. You can see her on screen there, Carly, Carly <laughs> Barnes. Lovely having you on the program today. Uh, I I uh, am sure that you can't quite believe the way that Easy has exploded over the past few years. No, it's crazy. Alec, thanks so much for having me. We go back, man. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> when did you yeah. start with Easy? Where, you'd know the story. It's been going, what, five years? Were you there right at the beginning? Yeah, I've, I was there since 2016. I have to think of it in terms of my hair color. Like, what color hair was I back then? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I was brunette. So then, it, yes, it was 2016. So, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible to see how it's grown. Um, just to a funny story. I remember the first email I ever sent was to 30,000 people and we now have over 800,000. Um, so that's crazy. And when yeah. did you turn your hair back from purple? Cause it was purple for quite a while to be part of the purple group. Yeah, of course. So it was purple. <laughs> then it was red for my, my fiery passion and easy. And now I'm back to brunette, but stone not to breath could change again. 800,000. Uh, and how many are you adding now uh, every month? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. Just lots. Just lots. lots. And it keeps growing up and up and up. I can't keep up. So how did the uh, those 800,000 clients and those investors, how did they react to Purple's own uh, financial results that came out in the past month? Well, uh, taking a look at our most top-bought stocks, which I'll go through in a moment, um, they reacted pretty well. Um, Purple's actually the second most bought stock on our platform this month. So lots of love coming in from the investment community. And they're already heavily invested. I think last time when we spoke with Lissetti last month, he was saying that uh, it was, was it uh, Justin, one of the top five stocks? 
one of the top five top stocks. And besides from that, on the JSE, they've got 26,000 shareholders. That's in the top five on the, on the whole JSE in terms of a diverse shareholder base. Yeah, it's really democratization. So not only do they already own your shares, they're buying more. Yeah, and I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so what else did your clients buy in this past month? Okay, so let me give you a rundown. Um, South African stocks. So let's take a look at that. Obviously, you know, purple is the second most bought. The top most bought was Sassol. And it's a huge, uh, it's, it's really popular with our community overall. Um, it's also been rallying since November, moving from strength to strength. And they, they released a trading statement recently that suggested that they're expecting earnings to go up by 20% as well. So that's the economy opening up, more demand for fuel, oil going up. All of these things kind of supported that price and made it the most popular stock, um, South African stock this month. Um, yeah, after purple, there's PPC. So there was an expectation that there would be a 750 million rand rights issue, um, but that's been postponed. So perhaps there's a bit of interest around PPC just because of that announcement. Um, And obviously the demand for cement is increasing as the economy opens up. Um, I think PPC actually saw double-digit growth um, in cement sales. So, yeah, PPC is the third most bought. And following that, we've got NASPERS. Uh, so process disinvested in Tencent, and part of that money has been used to buy more NASPERS shares. So maybe some of this corporate activity has led to a little bit more popularity around NASPERS. But again, this is like a really popular share in our community, um, stock standard, no but, pun intended. But the nice thing about, about NASPERS and on the easy platform is you don't have to find three, what would it be, 3,500 rand to buy one share. Uh, you can buy it with... 300 rand, even less. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, this is uh, one of those uh, shares that even me, when I started investing, I was like, oh, I really want to own that share. But, you know, it can seem quite expensive. So the fact that you can use 100 bucks or 500 or your your Christmas bonus, <laughs> whatever you get, um, that really helps. So yeah. what, what closes out the top five for South African We've shares? We've got RMB Holdings. Wow. RMB Holdings is in the top five, and they announced that they're going to be doing an 80 cents dividend. So that's about 50% of where the stock's trading right now. And I think just loads of people are wanting to get in on that dividend, which is happening early May. That's interesting. Uh, it's um, cool. quite sophisticated uh, investors. I guess once you get into an area, hey, Jared, uh, you start learning more about it and you want to start playing. Yeah, and I actually, I was just thinking about when I first started, I used to check, like I would check my WhatsApps. I was constantly checking, super excited. And it makes you want to learn more because you realize that it's not just for, you know, the rich and those that have. It's it's for everyone. And it, it's, it was just so easy to use. And I've told my friends who also said, oh, but I don't have money to invest. And yeah, that's what really makes it so great, I think. And that's consistent with the easy story. I remember when we spoke to your CEO, Charles Savage, about the results, he said that a big percentage of your new clients are referrals, people like Jared telling their friends. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think it's close to 60% now, which is quite amazing, you know, Um, and we've actually seen that the people that refer, uh, you know, those that are referred and those referred, they, they, 
you know, they tend to go on and invest and they become really engaged as well. So that word of mouth is so powerful. You know, I mean, I was uh, I was out the other day and I was, someone overheard me talking about easy equities and they were like, oh, I'm, you know, I've heard about this. What's it about? You know, it's, it's becoming something that people really do talk about at the dinner table or at a braai. And that makes me really happy. Of course it should, given where you come from. <laughs> Carly, what about the the uh, US stocks? Uh, how, okay, what was popular a, in the past month? Let's take a look there. So number one bought US stock is Tesla. So Tesla actually featured in the news recently. They've been investing in Bitcoin and they sold 10% of their Bitcoin, which was announced this month. So I don't know if there's a little bit of buzz around crypto, um, which uh, brings me to the number two most bought, which was Coinbase. Now, this is a brand new listing, and there was just massive demand from our customer base. So there's no surprise to me that Coinbase is um, is over there. It was, it was, yeah, we had so many people actually asking us about it. So seeing it at number two doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and then number three, we have Neo. Another one where clients were just asking about this stock. Um, so it's an electric car component manufacturer. Um, actually, was googling some stuff today, and everyone's using the word EV. You know, electronic vehicles. Uh, so it's, it's it's in that space. Um, they concentrated on batteries, actually, um, and they released their second quarter results yesterday. Um, and yeah, beat estimates. So that's um, that's in at number three. And then Apple. So weirdly enough, I was reading that Apple's also looking at getting into the EV space. Um, I don't know how or in what capacity, but um, yeah, that could be attracting some new investors. Um, and they also announced earnings recently. Um, they had record sales last quarter and their revenues up 54%. And Alec, you know, when one stock in the tech industry does well, there seems to be like some good vibes with all the tech stocks. So Microsoft in at number five, another one in the in the tech sector. Um, but they also announced earnings this week and with the largest revenue growth since 2018. So that could be also driving a bit of interest. It's been extraordinary the way that the uh, the, the numbers that have come out of Wall Street this week, 44% growth in revenues at Amazon. And you think it's biggest company in the world wow i mean those those tech behemoths alec and carly they just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger who knows when it'll stop but carly i've really been enjoying your explanations and your research that you've done where where you putting your extra spend which which shares are you looking at oh interesting i love when people ask me that so i'm i'm exploring a little bit of um a few new kind of stocks especially for my my u.s portfolio so um, I've looked at a, an ETF called, it's on, it's a bio, I've got a biotech ETF and then I got another one on cloud computing. I'm, I can't exactly remember the names, but um, those are two that I've, that I've been looking at. Um, but to be honest with you, if I have to pick my favorite shares in my US portfolio, um, one that I'm still adding to is Next Era Energy. So that's a renewable energy company. I just really like that space. I think there's going to be cool things happening there. And I'm a Netflix girl, guys. I love my Netflix. Uh, my Netflix is doing wonderful things for me. So I remain a fan. And it's cheap at $500. So there we go. Carly, thanks for, for that update. Look forward to talking to you or Lissetti or whoever it is that you send to us next month. But uh, lovely, lovely picking just, up on it. 
We'll just fight for a spot, Alex. You can out with you. So you'll have to you'll have to go easy. We're all fighting for a spot. Brilliant, Carly Barnes. <laughs> Thanks uh, so much for having me. And you from Easy Equities Purple Group. Uh, um, really good insight there on what retail investors have been investing in. And there's lots of smart stuff happening. There, you can see that that the minute you get into a market like this, it isn't a uh, throw darts into a into a newspaper share price page. There's a story behind every equity, every stock that is being bought, and we're seeing that in a big way too. Thanks, Carly. We look forward to talking to you again next time. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Anton Ossop joins us now with some really good news for people who live in Johannesburg. Anton, I I saw from your press statement today that uh, you guys are going to start fixing potholes legally. You're doing it together with Dial Direct and the city of Joburg. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I couldn't find anything online about this, but wasn't there a pothole fixing project here in Johannesburg about a decade ago that... Uh, was then blocked because the city council said you were putting municipal workers out of work. Um, good evening, Alec. Um, firstly, thanks for, a lot for having me on the show. I hope you can hear me okay. Um, there was an initiative about 10 years ago, um, Dial Direct, who uh, we're partnering with um, in this initiative, um, was involved in that initiative. Um, you know, at the time, there was, you know, various kind of reasons why it stopped. You know, it was it's quite a long time ago and, and obviously, you know, very different um, circumstances at the time. So it's very difficult for me to comment on, you know, exactly why it stopped. But, um, you know, this has been done in conjunction with the city. Um, you know, it's got approval from, you know, from the mayor and, uh, and, and all the relevant, um, you know, bodies within the city, including the JRA. Um, and I think there's re- real, there's no goodwill between, you know, all the parties, between ourselves, between Dial Direct and between the city to, to make a real difference, um, for residents of the city of Joburg. So we're really excited about that. So when do you start and how many potholes are you going to be fixing? So we're hoping to start actually on Monday. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's happened really, really quickly. So we're you know, mobilizing you know, all the resources to get going as quickly as possible on Monday. Um, we're aiming for somewhere between four and 6,000 per month. So, you know, it's quite a lot of potholes that we think we, we can get to. Um, it's what? all about efficiencies. Hold on. About four, four. four to 6,000 potholes per month. Per month. That's yeah. ridiculous. I didn't, didn't realize there would be that many roads in Johannesburg, but you've got that many potholes. It's a big road infrastructure. It's one of the. It's a really, really large infrastructure. Are and um, you, are you guys having four to six thousand tires that you have to replace every month? Because potholes mean, as I, as you well know, I, I hit a pothole in KZN and it took out both my tires on the left hand side. I'm sure here in Johannesburg, I remember that. it must be doing it must be doing the same thing to many people's cars. Yeah, look, potholes vary in terms of the size. You know, so some will cause damage, some won't. You know, some will be in positions that will, you know, tiles will be prone to hit, and and some will be in positions that you know that you'll miss. So, you know, it's hard to say that that's the number of of tires that get damaged, and and not all all tires result in an insurance claim. So it's not always known to us as an insurer. But obviously, there are lots of lots of claims caused by potholes. Um, you know, we're very worried about the 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 the, the, the potential risk for for human lives, and you know, we've heard some terrible stories in terms of of people going through potholes 
and being hurt and bicycles going through potholes. So for us, there's a real need and urgency to, to work as quickly as we can, you know, with the city um, and the existing resources that are repairing potholes. A lot of potholes are being fixed right now. The city's, you know, doing a great job in terms of, of, uh, of fixing lots of potholes, but the road infrastructure is large. Um, you know, weather conditions, the rain we've just had over the last day or so, you know, that's perfect conditions for more potholes to be, you know, to emerge. Um, and the number of cars on the road, obviously, just it just really sort of, uh, you know, adding to it. So, so there's, uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to be done, and we look forward to starting on Monday and getting it done. Antoine, just a, a basic thing for from a business perspective. If you are having uh, tyres replaced at the rate that South African drivers are hitting potholes, surely then uh, there would be some companies that are beneficiaries of this. Tiger Wheel and Tyre is, is one of your partners. Uh, I wonder what they think about the idea that they're going to be getting less business than they had in the past. No, actually, I mean, anecdotally, I've had conversations with a number of people in the industry, and I think they're all very supportive. I mean, at the end of the day, it's good for a country to have a good road infrastructure. You know, I think for the psyche of a, you know, of society to to not have potholes, I think everyone knows it's it's for the better, even if it means maybe some, you know, less tires to be sold. It's you know, it's ultimately for the better. I don't think anyone wants to wants to continue to have the roads continue to deteriorate. So, so I don't think there's, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any sort of hard feelings for from companies that you know see this being. Done. From Discovery's point of view, you guys have got this shared value concept, so I can see the, the, the sense in it. If you can work together, reduce the number of potholes, you should be getting less claims. Has that informed your decision? Is, is there any science behind this? Yeah, I mean, that, that's obvious from an economic perspective. You know, if we can, I mean, our, our, our goal has always been about being preventative. You know, the, you know, the old days of insurance is pay a premium and worry about the claim. You know, we've always had a, a view that if we can find a way to prevent a claim taking place, you know, no one wants an insurance claim. So whether it was, you know, weather warnings that we, we pioneered about eight or nine years ago to warn people about hail, um, just encouraging people to drive well, um, you know, that really sort of fits into our mindset as a, as a shared value insurer. And, and sharing that value ultimately with, with our customers. So, so this fits perfectly in it. Um, you know, Dow Direct have a similar view that they want to make a difference from a, as an insurer. So I think the partnership, I think, is also quite unique. Two insurers coming together to do, I think, something really, you know, for the better and the better of, of all residents of, of, uh, of Johannesburg, whether insured or not insured, and uh, you, whether our clients or not our clients. Yeah, and you've also got, uh, you're going to get an app where we can direct you towards potholes and get them fixed, presumably. Exactly. So we, we're developing the app um, where we have a third party company that's going to be developing the app um, as soon as possible. Um, it's being designed. I mean, in the meantime, there is a lot of information that's available and um, that the JRA has and we'll be working with the JRA um, where they'll be you know, helping direct where, where our efforts should be. Um, we're also going to be using our telematics data. So that's something that's quite unique. I don't think anyone's ever used that sort of globally in terms of actually taking data of vehicles and using that to work out where the potholes are. We've got 13 billion kilometers of data. In that data, we know where the potholes are because you can tell from the data. So we're going to be using that to prioritize, um, you know, just, a, I guess, a, a warning that we can't fix all of them, you know, overnight. And, you know, people, unfortunately, need to be patient. We'll, we'll get to them as soon as we can, um, together with the city and their efforts that are, are getting to them. So, you know, I, I just think we need to manage expectations that, you know, we can't, we're not going to fix them overnight. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Well, there we go, Jared. When you come to Johannesburg next time, you won't have to play Dodgem cars again. 
I was actually just thinking about it now. I had a friend who had a rather nice Audi. It was a bit lowered with a really nice set of rims, and he went through a pothole, and it ripped his tire apart completely, damaged the rim. And then you actually think, well, who pays? Do I go to my insurance and then pay uh, excess, or do I actually get the city to pay? And he ended up getting the city to pay, but it, it took him forever. Mm. So it, it really is a terrible struggle. Yeah, and particularly for a petrol head and uh, people who love their cars, uh, as you do, you're going to tell us about <laughs> the uh, Ford EcoSport. Uh, it was on my shortlist before I bought this amazing Peugeot 308. Uh, and they <laughs> well, don't pay me to say that, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting because the, the EcoSport is it's technically in a class below, so it's, it's more of a compact uh, crossover. Uh, it falls in uh, the 250 to 400,000 Rand marketplace. And as we know, that's a very, very populated segment. VWT, Cross, Hyundai, Venue, Suzuki, Vitara, Brezza, Toyota, Urban Cruiser. Basically, if, if you're shopping in this category you've got plenty to choose from and what really stood out for me with the the eco sport is that um, it's it's going on for a decade old now it had a facelift in 2018 but it still feels fresh to drive now carrie is carrie's with us and and she's a she's a volvo lady that's jared's nightmare when you say carrie's with us how are you jared (laughs) how are you carrie i'm good so if she's going to upgrade from a volvo you I can't think. upgrade from a Volvo. You right. have a Volvo and a Porsche yeah. and nothing else. <laughs> she's in a, no, she's in a different price range. She's <laughs> in a different price range. Uh, how different yeah, is no, it to the EcoSport? So this, the particular model I drove, which was the, the base model 1.5 liter Ambiente with a manual gearbox, is 303,400 rand. Uh, I would recommend spending 11,000 rand more and getting the diesel engine because oh, it is a fantastic fantastic turbo diesel powertrain. I've experienced it in the Fiesta and I was blown away by the economy. I mean, without trying, hand on heart, averaged about 3.7 kilometer, uh, 3.7 liters per hundred on a trip no, that's away. Ridiculous. That's a matchbox car you were driving. Yeah. Dinky I car. I was blown, no. 3.8. That's, that's like one, th- one quarter of what carries uh, uh, <laughs> Fuel guzzler gets it. No, yeah, I'll no, tell you uh, my little yeah. Volvo. I bought a new baby Volvo recently, Jared. I had a big Have you old cross. I've got an XC40. Yeah, there we go. Fabulous car. It's Fabulous so car. sexy and smart. I love it. <laughs> they, they're wonderful cars. Yeah. But, but not yeah, 3.8. Uh, not 3.8 liters per 100 kilometers. It's more like no. 9.8. You will struggle, yeah. You will definitely struggle. But the the um the EcoSport has a three cylinder engine, and another thing that stood out for me is that a three cylinder is it's inherently vibration prone, and you don't really get this with this one point five liter. It, it's supremely refined. Uh, even at higher revs, it doesn't feel, uh, you know, unrefined at all. It's it's a lovely little engine, and I would honestly, if you're not going to get the diesel, get this one because. I, I, I don't Jared. see. I think my sewing machine's got more than three cylinders. Yeah, yeah, my motorbike at school, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 50cc. Hey, the sewing machine, I think, is four. <laughs> what did but we call it? Yeah? It's not we separators or something. 
Sorry, Alec? No, those little 50 cc's. What do you guys call them? What's oh, uh, like those motor scooter things. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Are three yeah. cylinders? No, but One remember, cylinder? we live in a brave new world where we are downsizing. So, I mean, even the, for example, if you look at a Mercedes S500, traditionally you'd get a 5-liter V8 with that. Now you get a 3-liter V6. So downsizing is the way to go. Carrie. Carl Stribble is your guest tonight. Mm. I'd love you to ask him what he drives and whether he's also a Volvo. He, he's on. All kinds of things. Carly, Carl, I'm supposed to do a booze platform on our Friday night business. Yeah, yeah, it's called, it's called Naughty Corner. But I was but lying naughty. in bed this week and I thought, power hour, power hour, power hour. I've got two choices. I could phone Elon Musk or I could phone Carl Struble. So I thought, how are you, my sweet boy? <laughs> <laughs> Carly, congratulations for everybody who doesn't know who Carl Struble is. Carl Struble is part of an amazing powerhouse team who put together my octopus teacher that won for us a BAFTA award and an Oscar award last week. It is absolutely sensationally powerful, and I'm so proud of you, Carl. My octopus oh, teacher, how on earth did you come up with... Well, you were the colorist. Let's be honest, Carly. You were the colorist. Yes. And lots of people don't know what colorists do. Tell us. Okay. So basically what I do is I get the film once it's kind of close to a fully edited version. And what that means is that uh, in this instance is that the film was shot on about 17 different cameras. No word of a lie. And um, those all those cameras look completely different. And what you see coming out of the camera is quite a relatively dull image. Mm. Now, obviously, if you've watched the movie, um, you've seen the underwater world totally comes alive. And yes. that's where I kind of enter the fray. Um, and I give it that kind of zingy pop. And I kind of guide the emotional journey um, through color, effectively. Before you tell us more about that, we need to know, for Jared's sake, what car you drive. What car do you drive? <laughs> you tell us honestly. Um, I, I drive a A3 S. You, you took too long to answer that. Version. I think you made that up. Actually, yeah. what do you really? I don't. Drive? I can actually take a. I can, I can take a photo. I was going to say an S3, but it's not entirely true. I drive a, a an A3 S class. That's smart enough. So in yeah. the studio with me tonight, Carl, I've got Alec next to me on my left. He's our big chief sitting bull, and then on my right, I've got little Justin Joe Row uh, Roberts. He number crunches, and then directly opposite me, I have Dudu, who also went to AFTA. But I think okay. I think she's half your age. Do 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 you remember oh. Carl Struble from after? Buttons and lands our aeroplane for us every evening on the power hour. Carl, <laughs> more to the point, we're talking to you about your yes. amazing achievement. So there was a small team of you. How do you go about going to Netflix and saying we want to put together a documentary for you? Well, I, I, I think this is largely the, the main crux of what this film is all about. So this, uh, I, I think I'm just going to start a little bit further back yeah. in how the film actually came to be yes. in so much as Craig Foster, who's our hero of the, of the film. Um, he was going through a really hard patch in his life. He was a successful nature documentary filmmaker, um, in his early years mm. and kind of uh, endured the curse of success almost in a way. Um, and went through pro- uh, immense problems with his personal life and, and, and with the breakdown of his marriage. 
and retreated away from the world of film and actually decided to spend the majority of his time in nature. And I mean, as the film um, kind of lays out, he goes and spends every single day underwater. It's where his passion lies. And what he was doing was actually just filming for his own use while he was down there. And what started to happen is that Craig was witnessing all these like never before seen um, animal activities and filming them. And and from there, he started to realize, hey, there's actually something here that as much as I don't actually want to get into a, a, another movie, I don't really have much of an option. Yes. So from there, he's then got to create a story. Um, and the story, uh, again, as the film shows, kind of unfolds on its own where he builds this relationship with the octopus. Um, and then they kind of assembled a bit of a rough cut of the film and sent it out to everywhere from HBO to Hulu mm-hmm. to the big American networks, National Geographic, and no one but. Okay. No one kind of saw the potential behind the film, at least in its, the form that it was in then. And then one day, the the producer, the the head commissioning producer from Netflix, had the the film playing on her laptop while she was on an airplane, and her daughter was watching it. She wasn't even focusing on the screen; she was apparently busy with something else. And her daughter said, "Mom, this is incredible." And from there, Netflix started paying a bit of attention. How amazing. Well, you and, know what's so in- well, carry on, carry on. You're much more interested. No, no, no. So, so yeah, so, and then, sorry, not to interrupt you, but <laughs> Netflix basically said, listen, we, we, we think there's serious potential here, but you obviously need to refine the edit. You need to shoot more stuff. You need to develop it, but there's a concept here that we're interested in. And once that started to happen, then we got involved and Jinx Godfrey, who's the head consultant editor, who was actually the editor on a series called Chernobyl um, on HBO that yes. was a huge success. I mean, she's a big narrative editor. Um, and from there, she started to guide the story and the story started unfolding. And then, of course, all us post people start getting involved to make the images look amazing. The music guys jump on board to kind of give that emotional tone and that orchestral feel and um, we're cutting a long story short 18 months later we have an Oscar and it's the craziest week of my life <laughs> it's just the most alarming thing and I'm so proud of you but you know isn't it amazing the human race and the world that we live in today because when I watched my octopus teacher and I didn't even know that it was you doing the colorist stuff on it until Jonathan <laughs> told me because it was Jonathan, my son, is a friend of Kyle's. That's how I know Kyle. And I saw this movie and I thought, this is a compassionate, empathetic, wonderful, gentle reminder that we are all part of the planet. And that's what I took from the movie. The next thing I knew, I saw, I think, and maybe I'll quote, somebody was quoting it as a documentary centering on a privileged white male experience. I hope nobody's (laughs) taking any notice of that BS because it is BS. It's a fantastic documentary that everybody needs to watch. The next thing that I need to ask you, Kylie, is 
did he also do the narration for the one in the swimming pool with the creepy crawly? <laughs> no, that is uh, that is in a, a very uh, wonderful twist of fate. That is um, my friend Glenn Biederman Pam. No, it was hilarious. Also, I have to say, it was just hilarious. Justin, did you see it? I, I haven't seen it, but I, I know Glenn Biederman Pan is that is that Zander, Carl? That 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 is a, a, one of Zander's other <laughs> aliases, yeah. Um, so, but in, it, Glenn's also, as you see from the from my creepy teacher, he's a fantastically talented director who's also become a a good client of mine. So, with a wonderful I mean, sense of humour, obviously. With a wonderful, I mean, he's a hilarious <laughs> chap. He really is a funny guy, and I mean, he he really, from someone who's seen my octopus teacher three hundred and fifty times and knows every frame and detail. Yes. It was a genius take on the whole thing. Carl, tell me quickly, for kids who are listening to you, because it's it's almost impossible to believe you guys are the only, you're the second recipients of an Oscar in South Africa ever. You also got a BAFTA, which is amazing. What made you decide to become a colorist? Were you sort of hung up on Stanley Kubrick as a kid or what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I dare say a series of very bad choices along the way. <laughs> no, um, I, I, so I was in film school. I was at AFTA, like um, Didi with you there. Yes. And and um, basically at the time, we were shooting all our films on 16 millimeter, uh, which is film celluloid. I mean, they're giant rolls of actual film. Um, and we were taking our film into what was called a process called telecine at the time, with a colorist, and they were basically scanning this neg the same way, uh, somewhere like Orms or a film processing lab would scan us today. Excuse me, calling Houston. We've got a problem. Speak English, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, like you remember in the old days, you used to shoot on a camera and you used no, to have to I'm put the young. film in and everything. Mm, I do remember, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I was watching, and, and basically, motion picture works the same way. Mm. Um, and we would go to um, a colorist with our student films and I would watch this process kind of happen before me and all my average photography was being turned into something amazing looking and there was giving it a style and a feel that I mean I'd, it, it's hard to explain to your listeners without seeing a before and after of what yeah. we actually get there and what no we do. There's no movie without a colorist is there? No, 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 not for 30 years. Um so, and I mean, even before then, all, all of it was being done chemically in a lab with the film. The way they processed that film gave it a specific look. So, I mean, even if you think back to the, all the way from Citizen Kane um, through to your movies in the 70s, they all have that kind of specific mm, look, mm. and that was done in a lab. Yes. Um, so, so I'd seen all this kind of taking place in film school, and I thought, hey, this is a a bit of a, uh, this is something kind of magical. They were, they were building an image that I'd never seen before from my very own pictures. And I thought, let me, let me try and do that. And, and that was about 15 years ago. And I ate a lot of dirt along the way. And I, I made coffee for years. And mm. in the evenings or in the early mornings, I would hop onto the machines of the colorists I was assisting. And, yeah, no, I have people that hop into the machines. <laughs> Carl, incredible, uh, incredible story. But where to from here uh, for you and the rest of the, your team involved? I mean, this is this must be an inflection point in your careers. I could imagine there's inter international demand 
etc. Um, where to from here for you guys? Well, I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm torn in two directions. Firstly, I think there's a very promising film industry that's growing at an incredible rate of knots with the introduction of Netflix in South Africa. Um, I'm very privileged to work on a lot of high-end Netflix shows, Netflix originals that are soon to be released, and um, a whole bunch of shows that have happened in this country. And I'm quite a patriotic South African, so I think the idea of of staying and, and, and kind of being part of that growth wave is obviously very appealing. But at the same time, I've got my director that is in Hollywood, in LA right now. Oh, sending come on, Carly, be honest. You've accepted a job in California. Just come no, to the No, not yet. Not yet. There, there, there's, there's, there's time. There's time. But yeah, I mean, if, just to give you a bit of an insight, I mean, last night I was on a guest panel with all the other Oscar nominated, well, all the other Oscar winning colorists Oi. from all the David Fincher films, Aww. the colorist from Promising Young Woman was on there. And <laughs> I, it, it felt kind of, it did feel kind of surreal. So I think it is in terms of what doors it's opening. Um, my diary is very full at the moment. And, and, and I suppose in, in, in the current climate, that's, that's a blessing. Well, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And are we allowed to tell everybody that you did recently become engaged, I think, hey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a good April. It's been a fantastic, it's <laughs> it been a fantastic is. April. I just, yeah. We're just so proud of you, Kyle. It is amazing oh, what you guys you, have Gary. done. What do you get for winning an Oscar? Do you each get a statue? Um, I don't know yet. I know for, I mean, this film has been on the award circuit for the last six months or so. So we have got one or two replica trophies. Um, so we're still kind of waiting to see. It's probably going to cost us a bit of money, but I mean, in terms of company worthwhile investment, I think having an Oscar as you walk through the door is probably a, a I'm worthwhile probably bit of help, help push the sort of salary scale up a bit, eh? Uh, look, this is a this is an ongoing discussion, and it's a very much a, a TVC scenario. Carl, we have a, a trophy when you walk through the door at Biz News. It's the golf trophy versus champagne sports and business. Does that qualify as, as uh, something I think, similar? I think you've got to come and be a guest speaker at one of our conferences. Oh, actually. for sure. And, 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 and bring Craig <laughs> along as well. When Linda interviewed Craig some time back, uh, he was easy to reach. Now he's been impossible to find. So we have to use Carrie's influence. Tell us, you don't want to know how I know Carl Struble. Actually, other than my child, Carl Struble's mother and I, we didn't share a boyfriend. <laughs> no, we went out with the same boy when we were young. Girls. At the same time. Yeah, Sandy Hurst and I each had not no. at the same time. Who's different this times. man, Mountain? No, he died. I think we were both too much for him. But we both <laughs> went out with him at different times of our lives. So that's where I know Carl from. I can't <laughs> say I've got that same affiliation with Craig. But please, Carl, from all of us on the Biz News program to all of you. What an amazing, amazing achievement. You deserve Cheers. it all. Oh, you do, but before you go, are you going to upgrade that, uh, that Audi? That's what Jared <laughs> wants to know. Uh, he's uh, talking uh, about uh, a Ford uh, EcoSport. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to afford EcoSport. Uh, uh, me and K- Carrie's son and I are are, are, are car fanatics, and we I feel are. that uh, that uh, we don't do anything with three cylinders. Maybe Toby's listening, and maybe he's going to give you a little new one of those new little Porsches with an octopusy on the side. Maybe. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, I'll, I'll accept all Porsches, any branding included. <laughs> 
Carl, thank you so much for taking time to join us and congrats to every single one of you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Okay, Jared, do you approve? He's not going with your three-cylinder, but he is interested in a Porsche. Uh, well, I approved when he said he had an A3S line. Okay, okay. And the, at least it wasn't a Volvo, huh? Oh, nothing don't let me hear you saying that. Is she also a Volvo? I won't tell you what she calls my Volvo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it has been a pleasure to be with you tonight. Thanks for... As always, you're, it wasn't a naughty corner. There, there was no wine here. Uh, Justin's actually going to leave you sober for a change. It's waiting outside the studio. <laughs> okay, so you're not going to be leaving the office sober for a change. Bright Rock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity, and the markets aren't any different. The daily movements in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by Bright Rock, the first ever Needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. Justin, let's uh, go off into the weekend with hopefully some good news. Not so much, Alec. The JSE All Share Index was weaker at 67,100. Barlow World lost six rand to 95 rand 50 a share. Financials took a beating today with absolutely the worst affected, losing six rand 20 a share to 123 rand. Northern Platinum lost 14 rand to a share under 250 rand a share as Pretas Metals producers traded lower across the board. In the currency markets, the rand was weaker against all the major currencies to 14 rand 47 to the dollar, 20.05 to the pound, and, four, and 17 rand 45 to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,771 an ounce. Brent crude is low at $67 a barrel. And the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 810,000 rand a bitcoin. And this market report was made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. From our team here at BizNews, our sound engineer Dudu Masuko, uh, Justin Rowe Roberts in our Cape Town studio tonight and every Friday, Jared Neves, and of course the inimitable <laughs> Carrie Adams. I'm Alec Hogg. It's our pleasure to be serving you through the week. We look forward to being back with you on Monday. No more Public holidays coming, huh? And, and, and are we finished now with the public? 16th of June. Oh, bugger. It's a long way to wait. Isn't tomorrow May Day or something oh, no, like it's that? A, well, t- tomorrow. Uh, was it Saturday? Workers Day, May workers day, day. tomorrow. Yeah. May yeah. Day. Yeah, but, but not in the week. So we're going to be back weeknights now right through until the 16th of June. Until then, cheerio. You've been listening to the Power Hour brought to you by the team at Biz News.